Ah, greetings. Care for a story? One of heroes and villains? Of swords and sorcery? Of romance and treachery? We'll pull up a chair and have a listen. And welcome to The RPG Show. This is the show we rate, review, and talk about RPGs. My name's Brent. I'm your host. With me today, I have the man, the myth, the legend, Nick Reverse Bukaki Gantner. What's happening, bro, Cephas? Uh, well, right now, I'm kind of soaking wet, so if you can get back to me in a couple minutes, uh, we'll be better off. Somebody get that man a towel. Okay, so this episode, we're going to spend the entire time up our own asses. We're basically going to talk about... Uh, because this kind of marks the first year of the show. We're going to talk about where we've been, where we're going, uh, sort of... Uh, just a well, lot this of things. This is a regular show then, right? Because we're always up our own asses? Fair enough. Uh, kind of like a clip show, but not a clip show. I'm not going to play a bunch of clips of us saying dumb things, because that would require a lot of work, and I'm lazy. So, um, yeah, we're going to start off with uh, where we've been. So over this first year, we've provided a whopping total of, not including the tabletop stuff, we have uh, 23 hours, 30 minutes, and 39 seconds worth of content. That's a lot. You can still listen to all of it in a day, theoretically, if you're a crazy person. But, uh, hey, that's, that's, that's a lot. I was expecting a lot less when I went to crunch the math on that. A um, couple things, you know... The show has changed a lot over the first year. We added a couple new, um, like we added replayability as a thing. Uh, we had Glenn as a full-time uh, co-host. Now he may guest once or twice in the future, but other than that, we have a uh, like for the review shows we've been ro- rotating in out and out out of a guest. Like how we decided games has changed like fucking six times. Um, a lot has changed. Uh, I think it's going to be more consistent moving forward, though. I mean, not to say we won't adapt things when we need to, but uh, it's definitely been a roller coaster as far as uh, figuring out what we want to do every time. You know, it's been it's been a struggle. Um, we also did our Mage Fest 2015. So if you listen to Lowe's episodes, I kind of I kind of think the whole segment's kind of fun to listen to. Um, is like four episodes where we we basically went through and declared a Mage Fest champion, uh, ending in the Mage Fest finale with a little special audio bit we put together for that. I won't play that here because it's 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 quite long. Um, but if you haven't listened to any of the Mage Fest 2015 stuff, I won't spoil it, but I recommend you go listen to it. We also uh had an interview with BK Stunt. GameFAQs contributor um, scheduling was on that was a little weird because everybody was all over the place so it was just me and him I sat down and asked him a bunch of questions um, that is something you know we'll address a little 
uh, in a little bit. But now the so we're gonna basically we're gonna pick our favorite and worst gameplay, story, visuals, and music from the first season, our favorite and worsts, and then we'll rank all the games we played um, from one to what we say is fourteen games. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I think it's thirteen. Thirteen games. Sorry, thirteen games from best to worst and then we'll we'll from there um we'll basically go over what to expect in the next year's worth of shows uh this probably might end up being a little bit of a shorter show but it's just kind of where we want to be today we just kind of want to talk about it and let everybody listening know that uh what's coming up because we appreciate you know everything we get from everybody the show is had a you know uh, consistent growth since the get go. A lot of that is think t- thanks to our friend uh, Blaine J or Retro Kel from Is It Worth It. He's he's really thrown us out there in a lot of circles, and we really appreciate that. So first up, we're gonna pick our favorite and worst gameplay from season one. Um, what was your favorite gameplay from season one, Nick? Uh, well, that's going to have to be... This is going to be a bad list for me. It's probably I, I know be... you hate to pick, like, ultimates. I know that's really not your thing. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with Suikoden 2. Suikoden 2? All right. Mine's Final Fantasy VII. Like, I mean, that's just where it is. Um, if I was... All right, so worst gameplay from Season 1? Uh, that's, that's a hard one for me. Cause it's. I imagine you're picking between an East game and Monster Scene, but I don't really know for sure. No, it's 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 probably Arcanum. Really? Okay. I think that was the worst score I gave that game was in gameplay because the interface was clunky. It was hard to really do anything you wanted to, and you could easily kill yourself by accidentally hitting the activate like real time, and like shit would get away from you before you even have a chance. You actually gave East one and one. And oh. Arcanum was a two in gameplay. Well, East one was a little. I could see. <laughs> I think the one was simply because it was it was so simplistic. I think like okay. it's just, you just bump shit, like and there's Pretty nothing much. there. So, I and I don't because that's a that's a really like they, I think Yeez is much older than Arcanum is. If I I say so because it's back from the Super Famicom and like Turbo Graphics era yeah. and shit. So. Like, I would probably give Yeez the edge due to how old it is. It is it is funny that I gave it a one and gave our... Well, I think it, that... It's hard to say. Because, like, I think we had already kind of shit all over Arcanum. Like, I think Arcanum got the two because it is so... Um, like, it has so much potential there. It's just... It's mm-hmm. really unlocking the potential that, that makes it so frustrating. So, um, but... I, I just like at least through Yeez one and two, I I never really got to a point where I'm like fuck I don't want to do this, but there were a few okay. times I sat down to play Arcanum and I was like I really don't want to do this, so uh, that's why it's gonna get worse for me. What what's your worst gameplay? I would say that my worst gameplay is going to be for Monster Scene because you're not actually playing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You, you're pseudo playing. You're picking 
characters or you're making creatures or whatever that play the game for you and you can move your character around but really you're not you're you're incapable of actually doing anything because you only get the punching move or the uppercut where the fuck it was so like i agree with you on arcanum while i did not was not particularly a fan of the gameplay at all there was if you were able to i guess master the system there's a way to actually play the game and i'm sure people enjoy it because it's on a bunch of hidden gem lists mm-hmm I don't see that happening in Monster Seed. Like, you can master the gameplay the first 10 minutes you pick up the game because that's all you can do. Yeah, I guess. The rest of the game involves hoping to God that your AI-controlled monsters actually do the things you need them to do. But you get to breed monsters, Nick. It doesn't get much better. I can do that. There are... There are, I, I hate monster capturing games. I hate monster breeding games. But there are many, many more that are vastly superior to monsters. I, 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 can, I can agree with you on that. Um, if I had to pick a, uh, probably not the best, but a surprise where like I sat down and played it not expecting much and came out the other end like, oh, that was really fun, um, would probably be, I'd probably give it to Legend of Mana. Okay. Um, if you had to pick a wild card for gameplay, like one that succeed, uh, surpassed all of your expectations, but still doesn't, you know, make the best, what would you pick? Uh, I was actually pleasantly surprised, surprised with Paladin's Quest. Yep, yep, that's a, that is a solid choice, and I'm glad we played that game. Um, moving on to story, favorite worst story from season one. Oh boy. This one's probably a little bit difficult, more difficult than the rest. But uh, what was your favorite story from season one? Uh, it's gonna, it's gonna be Swigden two. <laughs> Is it Swigden two? Okay. Yeah. Yes, it's Swigden two. Yes. Uh, mine. This will be a running theme going on in this review, uh, man. I know. I think mine's gonna be the same because uh, my favorite story from season one is probably. Oh man, it's really close between Soikoden 2 and FF7 to be honest with you. Like it's really close, but um I'll probably have to give it to FF7. Like I felt like um at least for our purposes on the show, there's more to talk about as far as the things that happened in FF7 than there was in Soikoden 2. Like the story in both are excellent. Um but Soikoden 2 is uh it is just a it like it really boils down to a lot of uh like make our army bigger. <laughs> it's, the way I would compare the two is I would say Final Fantasy Seven is one of the uh I'll, I'll, I hate using the word but cliche save the world type games. Mm-hmm. So its story is you have this villain, there's a apocalypse happening, and you've got to go stop it. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Suikoden storyline is more of a political intrigue deal yeah and I, I i agree i'm not saying that i don't want to say one's worse than the other but for my favorite because it's favorite we're not objectively saying which one's better my exactly. favorite story from season one is is ff7 um worst story from season one uh this one's difficult um because that we have i'm looking at least three titles on this list that really don't have a story Yes. Um, shit. I, I, you know, I'll probably have to give it to Digimon World as the worst story. Because there's literally, it's literally no story. Like, your guy's there, then you, <laughs> like, there's, there's nothing there. 
Is, yes. is there's nothing there. So your worst story. You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Because yeah. I agree. Like there, the story there is is hey, you've been sucked in the Digimon world. Help them. Yep. Stuff's happening. Raise a Digimon. Okay. That's pretty like, much. Like you don't get any of the real plot until the end of the game. Now, if you were to have to pick a surprise on story, like your wild card story, what would that be? Um, I would give it to, um, I guess Shining Force Two. Okay, that's an because, interesting choice. Because the others, the vast majority of the games on this list, I had already played. I hadn't played Shining Force Two. Okay. And so I wasn't, like, I wasn't expecting much from it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, being the first game we're playing and playing it out of order, I wasn't I wasn't expecting to have any kind of coherent narrative, nothing mm-hmm. like that, just some game that was made on the fucking Sega Genesis or whatever. Okay. And I liked that it was like the the you know, the plot twists that were there, but they were kind of predictable. Mm-hmm. Like you can you knew who the villains were and all that kind of shit. But mm-hmm. it was an enjoyable storyline. Fun, funny thing about Shining Force 2 is we were talking in pre-show that it feels it's only been a year since we played Shining Force 2, but it feels like it's been so much longer than a year since we played Shining Force 2. It's it's kind of ridiculous. Um, because it is like, because we tend to forget about it in the grand scheme of um, the games we've played, but the minute I think about it or consider it, like all of the game comes rushing back. Like I still remember a lot of details from that game, whereas some of the others, not so much. Like it, it still remains. It definitely left an impression. It's definitely a memorable title. Um, however, if I were to pick a surprise on story, I can't pick Wild Arms because I hadn't played it before, but as much as like uh nick real life bukkakis all over that game um i kind of knew that i was in for uh some fun in that game so um if i were to pick one that surpassed my expectations probably fantasy star 4 um like i because the game really started off as kind of like uh like kind of boring to me but it really kind of took off about as soon as uh, Alice dies, like the story really kind of starts to take off a little more, and um, I really enjoyed the narrative in that one. So I can um, agree with that. I mean, it's not it's not such a sweet. It's not the same sort of sweeping revelation that uh, like oh my god, I can't believe I've never played this game before, kind of thing. But um, it was it was a pleasant surprise. Like oh, okay, it's not as bad as I I worried that it would be, because a lot of the early dialogue was like, oh god, what is happening here? Is Chad really gonna be my main character? It's really oh Jesus Christ, here we go. But um, you know, it worked out. I wish Hans was the main character. I know he's much more interesting. Poor Hans. As much as they shit on him, fucking ladybug, what are you doing? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Where did you come from? All right, uh. So, visuals. What is your favorite looking game from season one? Sweet and two. Sweet and two is your favorite looking game. Yes. Um, I, I'm actually not going to give this one to um, Final Fantasy VII. It's not going to be. It's not going to make the sweep. I'm going to give my favorite looking game from season one is Legend of Mana. Like that game looked so cool to me 
Like, I can't uh, just... The fact that it, everything looks like you're playing a storybook, the designs on the monsters, the people, everything was just so right up my alley and because it was that it was that fairy taleish look but super super stylized and super crazy like it was just so a lot of the stuff just looked weird like it's a talking teapot for christ's sake and i kind of i love that kind of shit so um my favorite my favorite visuals of season one are are um is legend of mana worst visuals from season one Oh boy, that's a hard one. Um, I got that one. You go, because I, I got to think on it for just a moment. I don't have to think about this at all. Arcanum. Arcanum, really? Yes. I didn't mind. I didn't mind it because it is that 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 era of game doesn't really bother me so much. Um, so it bothers me a lot. Really? Yes. Why, like the, so? I'm not a fan of Western graphics so to speak. Okay. And it all like, like that that isometric kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't know. It just the whole theme of the game didn't really jive with me and everything like like, everything looked kind of like the same colors, like color tones and kind of shit. It is kind of muted, but the, the Victorian steampunkish style on it, like I was okay with, um, this one's actually, it's probably got to go to Monster Seed. It's probably the worst looking game because a lot of the 3D models are really shitty. Um, like the character designs were were pretty bad. Um, even the none of the even the backgrounds weren't didn't really stand out. So like if you're gonna have like some of the early shitty like 3D polygonal stuff, like at least you're gonna have like a good background and good design to kind of bring everything up, but it was very kind of mediocre, you know, like nothing really stood out and made me go, woo. I mean, at least Digimon world had the, the, like it had Digimon going for it. And Digimon always kind of cool stylized in the idea of like this, this Island, but it's really like digital. So you have all these like weird outlets and plugs everywhere. So uh, at least it has that design going for it. Um, so if I were to have to pick a worse one, it's, worst one is probably going to be Digimon World. Now, if I were to pick one that was a surprise... Wait, you just said Monster Seed, and then you went to Digimon World. Oh, uh, I meant I meant Monster Seed. <laughs> Fuck, they blend together in my in, in my head a little bit. Um, I guess. I, mean, I, I thought that the monsters that you can get were kind of cool looking sometimes. Sometimes. But, but then you had other ones that really weren't, and it just a lot of... Like, they didn't follow up those cool-looking models with any sort of animation. They all sort of did that that shiver scrunch kind of animation when they cast spells and stuff. Like it mm-hmm. wasn't, there was, there was so much room. Like we said in that review, the game feels unfinished. Like it feels like it's a, a, like a third of the way finished. And so it really hurts it. If I were to pick a, uh, if you were to pick a surprise, like, uh, like a one that really surprised you as far as how it looks, which one would that be? Um, for a game that surprised me on looks, Mm-hmm. I would say mm, I will give it to East 2. East 2? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I had, like, I knew what I was getting into with an East game. Okay. But I guess it, I don't remember if I had ever played East 2 before. Okay. But the 
a lot of the zones and everything was very varied and I liked the way that the, the sprites and everything looked um, the way that the spells worked the items looked the kind of the whole theme they had going it was really really worked for me okay awesome all right uh, if I were to pick a surprise visual surprise oh boy um, I'd probably go with fantasy star 4 again as a um, sort of a real come out of nowhere because i really went in that game with pretty low expectations even though i was everywhere told me i shouldn't and just the general theme of it and look of it just i kind of went in was like ah this kind of looks really i don't know it, it it just wasn't meshing with me from the start but uh the more i got into it a lot of the monster designs are really cool the way that they uh they do cutscenes in that game are, is super cool. The uh, like the almost comic book panel, sort of like uh, showing people talking kind of stuff was really really awesome. So um, my surprise visual would be Fantasy Star Four. Favorite music from season one, Nick? Why don't you go ahead and drop it for us? So you gonna do? Mine's of course. Uh, I could I could listen to fucking final fantasy 7 music all day long um worst music from season one uh i'm gonna give to fucking digimon world again because there's no music like it's just it's just ambient sound except for yeah. the, the battle theme which was okay but i mean it's not when you hear it over and over and over again as the only source of music I think we combined sound and music in this category, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm giving it to Digimon World 2 because of the foot footstepping, the yata, the rawr, the poop sound. Did you say yata? Oh, God. Yata! Did you poop? Yeah. I forgot you had that shitty-ass soundboard. God damn it. That's all I got on there, just to annoy you. I know. I know. And I, I've played right into your hands. I know you did. It was amazing. I appreciate it. Uh, so, surprise on music and sound. Boy, um, it's going to have to go to, like, I should have known, but God, Wild Arms is so good. Like, the music in Wild Arms is just fucking amazing. And, like, uh, we started to play Wild Arms, and I'm like, all right, this is going to be this... I knew it was like early PlayStation One era, so I'm like, all right, the they have a decent music chip to work with. The visuals are going to be they're going to have some 2D stuff. They're they're going to try and experiment in the 3D space because that's just where JRPGs were at that point in the system, unless they were going full 3D, but very few did. And so I, I kind of knew what I was what I should expect, but man, they played that intro that that animated intro with that freaking awesome like western theme and i was just like i could watch this three more times before i even start this game like i went from zero to five from that intro theme and just a heartbeat so my my surprise has got to be wild arms what about you like the thing i i dislike about this is that uh there are so many games that we've played that have fantastic soundtracks yes we have played and a lot. i can't pick any of them because i've played them all before so I would say my surprise is going to Fantasy Star 4 mm-hmm. because the the way that they worked all the sound um, effects and the, the music was just 
it wasn't uh like fantastic but it was pretty damn good they did a great job i even downloaded a few of the tracks and i put it on my ipod to listen to uh on occasion and that that's a rare occurrence because that means i have to actually physically get my ipod plug it up to the damn computer and turn on itunes which i do maybe once a year so all right so Now we have to rate the games from Season 1, so we'll rank them. We already rated them. Now we're going to rank them. So we're going to come up with our Season 1 list, if you will. Um, so do we each have our own Season 1 list? or um, What do you want to do? Because, I mean, we can do this as a cooperative thing where we can start at the bottom, agree, and then work our way up and make it like... Because like, we already have our individual ratings, so we can mm-hmm. come up with like a unified rank of the games from best to worst, but that top, those top three will get real fuzzy. They're going to get, we may come to blows on the top three. Well, that sounds like more interesting radio to me. So you want to start at the bottom and work your way up, work our way up. Sure. Sure. So for last place, I will volunteer monster scene. Okay. Um, for last place, I will probably give you monster seed for last place at number 13. Though, I was I was torn between that nomination and Arcanum. See, I I I think I hold Arcanum in higher regard than you do. Like I don't think I think it's looked bad, but I don't think it's it may have just been where I was at at that point. Like, you know, in like life and like what I wanted to play versus what we were playing. Like I think it holds a place, but I don't. Th- because as a complete package, it might not just be for me. You know what I'm saying? Like I think objectively, it is better than we we give it credit for. Um, it's got to be Glenn liked a lot. So. Yeah, well, he gives Soikin story of one. So, mm. uh, so for twelve, I think I would like to nominate Digimon World. Okay, I can agree with that nomination. All right. Because, I mean, Monster, I have so, like, I actually have a lot of fun with Digimon World when I'm not being, like, trying to play that game and rush through it is not as fun as, like, it being something that you boot up, play an hour of, and then play whatever other game you're you're kind of working on. Um, it, it's much better kind of to play it like a leisurely, casual pace, but as a game, it, it's not good. I, I like it because it's... I think it's fun, but it it just as a whole package, it's it's not. So you gotta be you gotta be a person that likes training monsters repeatedly over and over again. I think to really enjoy that game. Yeah, because that's all you're doing. All right, who do you want to nominate for eleven? <laughs> for eleven, I would put up. See, so this is where we're gonna get. Where I think this is already where we're gonna start getting squirrely. Uh, I would say Arcanum. Oh man, I think I would give you one eleven. Honestly, I would argue that there's more gameplay to be had in Arcanum than in, in like there's more to the game than than East One. Okay, but even if there's more to the game, is it more enjoyable? I don't think so. Playing it, I I thought playing East One was fine. I, again, I think I think 
Arcanum really um, deserves more than because like the game's massive and there's a lot to be had there. And I think if we came at it with any other mindset instead of like, I think if the game worked fucking properly, I would have enjoyed it. Again, we are playing a really old game on new technology, and as we both know in our current... Like, playing old PC games on a new PC creates a lot of weird artifacting, more so than, like, emulating console games ever will. And I don't know why that is. It should. It just is a thing. So, I mean, I don't know... Well, I can I can agree. It worked fine on my computer. It's just that the gameplay wasn't com- like it was flawed in a way that I personally did not enjoy. So yeah, I guess I can come around to you on that one because I can't forgive them introducing a mode that you just can't play and making that toggle for that mode so like it it, it it's. It's so easy to flip on real time and fuck yourself. So I'm I can give it to you. I can give eleven to Arcanum. I, I don't want to, okay. but I because I mean I like steampunk. I like the way like the the design on the characters I thought were cool. Like I thought a lot of the story stuff going on was fairly interesting, and I thought the music, while a little disjointed, was was actually pretty good. The string quartet stuff was was pretty good. So I mean I as a whole. You know, I I would write it above use not above use two, but definitely above use one. But uh, I'll 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 concede on this one. I'll, I might okay. fight you a little harder later on though. That's fine. So that means my I will my, give ten ease one. All right, ten is going to ease one because I mean I think they're they're pretty interchangeable in my mind. Like they're right at the same spot. Where are you going to give nine? I would I would place ease ease two at nine. Okay, that's fair. I think I'll give you that. Because they are really close in gameplay. Like, Yeez 2, like, I've actually been tempted to play Yeez 2 again. Because I just feel like the gameplay is more solid. And it's since they're both really sort of, like, the gameplay is really quick. Like, you can just kind of get into it and play and kind of get, like, a decent amount into the game. Mm-hmm. And what they add in Yeez 2 improves the experience. So, I mean, I, I think so. I think Yeez 2, it, it was enough to pass the threshold from not fun to fun for me, so... All right. These two is a good good at nine. Eight. Boy. Eight. Oh, man. Um, I'd probably have to give it to Fantasy Star 4, as much as we talked it up earlier. Looking at what we have left, um, I don't think I enjoyed it more than, say, Shining Force 2 or Paladin's Quest. Really? Um, okay. Like the the magic system and gameplay of it was really the the big detractor from me. I think the story, the visuals, the music were were cool and interesting. I don't think I could play Fantasy Star Four again. I could see myself playing Shining Force Two or Paladin's Quest again. Okay, okay. So that's where I'm at. I I could play Fantasy Star Four again. Mm-hmm. But I, I will agree. I will. I will give this one to you. I will agree that it it deserves eighth place. All right, in this eighth, list, eighth place to Fantasy Star Four. As as much as the individual parts of it are can be so good, like as a package, I just don't think it holds up. Um, 
Number seven. For number seven, I would actually suggest Shining Force 2. Ooh. So our sole tactics-based system is going to end up at number seven. There's nothing against the tactics-based system. It's the, just the this... music. The story was lacking, but I mean the the monsters and villains were cool. I thought the uh, mm-hmm. like the music is pretty memorable. Like if you hear it, like in the intro, like I mean it. You, I mean, it stands out. It's a, it, like I said, it's a memorable title. I mean, but we are talking about number seven. Like we're already halfway mm-hmm. up the list, and we still have a lot of good games to rank above it. Yeah. So when we say, "Is it number seven, I think what we're asking see, ourselves would, is: it better than Paladin's Quest? See, that's what I was thinking. And and I think Paladin's Quest became way more rinse repeat than Shining Force Two did. Okay, I I will give you that. I will give you that. So we want to give Paladin's Quest number seven, and then Shining Force six. Yeah, I think that's where that should be. All right, so we're to number five. Number five. Ooh. So I think the question here is, it's I think it's between three, really. I think it's between. I, I think it's gonna. I think we're gonna pick Legend of Mana for this one. Are we? I feel like it. Because what's left? You got. I think it's well, like this spot is like the next three spots are really between Legend of Mana, Mana, Wild Arms, and the first Soikinen game. Pretty much. So, pretty much. Uh, if we look at it from this way, I mean, I'm okay with giving it five. Because then it would be the highest, like action-based game on our to for in I think for an action-based RPG to make number five on our list is really saying something for a game in in general. So, um, I I'm fine with giving it five. I mean, okay, it is hard. See, my my reasoning it? was the it's the weakest of the next five that are coming up or the next four that are coming up. Yeah, the visuals and the music are great, but the like you were saying you had. A bunch of issues with the gameplay when you were playing it, um, and well, the storyline's not really there. It's too. It's too. Um, I think the storyline is okay. Like it's it's middling because of the disjointed nature of it. Like you don't get a whole lot of one storyline. You get like th- what was it four or five condensed stories? I think there's like the three side stories, and yeah. they all kind of go yeah. together. And then I also can say that the the gameplay does like i basically equipped axes and never did anything else the whole game just kind of brutalized my way through the game with axes so it is the it does stand as the weakest out of the next ones so number four i mean i hate to do it but i i I gotta nominate wild arms there like i don't think wild arms is better than soikin one no i can definitely agree with that or is it my only contention would be that the I feel like when you're playing Wild Arms, you kind of get that that feeling of exploration and that whole like frontier kind of vibe. Yeah. And like you actually like the the everything accentuates that. You got the music that accentuates that, the visuals accentuate that, the characters accentuate that. And so you kind of if you let yourself, you can definitely get enveloped in that kind of experience. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Sweet and One, while it is a great game, um the it is, it is not as refined as it could be, and, and that they, is they where Super Nintendo, 
yeah, they haven't really really made that uh, their their rune system quite as robust yet. And so mm-hmm. in one, so in one is really basic rune system. So, oh, so you want to give you want to give number four to Sokin in one? I would. I think I, can, I think I can agree with that. I think I can agree with that. Like it, it pains me to do so as my favorite series, but and you got to be realistic sometimes. That would definitely make Wild Arms number three. So now we have to decide which game is better, Final Fantasy VII or Soikoden Two. Uh, and well, we if have you say to make our as having an impact on the video video games as whole. Then Final Fantasy VII definitely takes top spot. Well, I mean, even I, I think it's even I think it, it's hard even if we look at it objectively, because. Um, they I both... can say subjectively that Suikoden 2 is one of my favorite games of all time, and whereas I Final Fantasy say... is not. So... And see, if we look at it subjectively, then I can say Final Fantasy 7 is my favorite game of all time, and Suikoden 2 is a good game that I've played and would play again. Um, yes. So if we averaged out our subjective opinions, it would put Suikoden 2 on top. But uh, I think... Um, like... Because, see, they both have really open character systems, FF7 way more than Soikoden 2, but the rune system and the materia system both kind of give you a lot of options to do with your characters, even though the characters in uh, Soikoden 2 have a little bit more rigid, like, starting archetype, I would say. Yeah, yeah, Um, and some of them are only customizable to an extent. They've mm -hmm. got locked ruined spots, or they've got locked equipment spots. And the capacity to actually max out your characters is it's something that's feasible in Final Fantasy 7 and even almost required to actually take on the end game content mm-hmm. well there is no end game content in Suikoden 2 and yeah. the game fixes your levels around level 60 anyway because then you start earning one experience point per battle something like that so does that take away from Suikoden 2 that you really like if there's not more to do in the game other than the game personally I don't think so. I don't like end game content. Sometimes I feel is there just to pad out the experience because most of the time when I play a game, I'm playing it because I want a story. Okay. Uh, especially a role playing game. Um, and while the extra challenges and extra side missions and extra shit is fun, uh, sometimes I can I feel like it takes away from the experience. See, like, I. I would argue that in FF7, it, it actually adds to the story experience because this three is literally the final dungeon. So if you mm-hmm. don't do any of this extra content and you head right to the final dungeon, I mean, it still comes off as a victory and you've won. But uh, like if you go through and you beat all these extra weapons, you get all this other materia and you manage, you, you just wreck face to that final dungeon. Like you really come out the other end feeling like a badass. Like, Well, I would also say the difference between, because Suikoden 2 has mini games in it, but not many. Um, and the difference has so between the many fucking mini games. huh? I said seven has so many mini games. And as I was gonna say, they all are tied into the plot in yeah. some form or fashion. And well, at least for the majority of them, like you get half of the mini games because you've played them in the course of the game, mm-hmm. and then you can just re- replay them whenever you want. Whereas mm-hmm. in Suikoden Two, the mini games are like the cooking mini game, which you can bypass completely. There's mm-hmm. like finding. It's not even a mini game, but you can find the the parts for the statue to build and make your own statue, and that'll mm-hmm. give you an item. And then you can do like the rock climbing mini game for items. And mm-hmm. so there is more to Final Fantasy VII, 
okay. as an experience. Okay. All right. So, so far we've argued gameplay between the two. Now, mm-hmm. what about story? Because, I mean, we have to look at gameplay, story, music, and visuals. Okay. So, um, if so, if we go down this list, we got gameplay, story, music, visuals, and overall experience like our we generally do so if we give ff7 the win on store uh, and gameplay right because sure. i i think that's a fair thing to say that, definitely um so on story i think we might actually both be in agreeable that objectively so we could in two like if i just completely chop the nostalgia out of it right i think objectively Suikoden 2 has a better story. Like, it's more... It's more well-rounded. Like, the characters are more... I would say even interesting. Because, I mean, I like that FF7, like, the, the since there aren't a bajillion characters, there are points in the story in which you are learning a character's backstory and learning... You get to intimately learn each of the characters while you don't get to do that in Suikoden. Um, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that takes away from Soikiden because it's really the story about like you and Joey more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you get two sides of the coin where your character is and Joey are kind of working towards the same goal, but one of them is working from a place of like, like this is the right thing to do this is what i have to do to the other one views it that way but it's a more jaded view joey has like a more like um cynical look on what needs to be done and yeah, i feel like he's like he he's realized that the world is not all rainbows and sunshines and butterflies anymore and sometimes you got to make the hard decisions to uh for the best of the world or and whatever the fact that the game makes the um th- essentially the main protagonist of the story almost the sole moving factor because almost the entire game what you were doing something in response to something that joey has done mm-hmm. you're never really on the front side of that wave like you're basically trying to rebuild and keep things going after he's come through with whatever his crazy plan is so i i, I think i i mean i think so two objectively has the better story out of the two I think I can give it that. I would agree. And going on to the characters, I feel like you get a bit more from the Final Fantasy VII characters. Yeah. But I, every time I play Suikoden Two, there's they've they've got characters that have their own kind of quirks and personalities, yeah. and they're more. I feel they're more likable, even though you know less about them mm-hmm. than Final Fantasy VII characters, because there's sometimes where I feel like you can just rotate the character models out in Final Fantasy VII and they and have the dialogue stay the same and it really would really would not change the experience like mm-hmm. you would you couldn't really tell the difference whereas in like a game like Suikoden where you have characters talking because they have their own personalities and kind of like things if you did the same thing it would feel off like it wouldn't feel the same um I don't know if I can jump on that same bandwagon um where there are a lot of sameish characters throughout the the um, pantheon of Soikoden two characters, um, and I feel like 
the characters in FF7 are pretty distinct. However, I can agree that a lot of them have the same um, faults, if you will. Like just the, like I, we said in the FF7 review, like the 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 theme of failure in FF7 just runs too frequently to make some of the like uh, so like if you took away their names during the dialogue boxes in which they're talking about why they fight then yeah they're all the fucking same character <laughs> like um yeah but uh other than that I think they're distinct enough okay but we'll get let's give that win to Soikoden 2 alright um so for visuals right I think I also have to give the visuals to Suikoden 2 because while the pre-rendered backgrounds on FF7 are amazing, like the awkward, like the inconsistency on the other models, like you have the overworld model, you have the battle model, you have like the, the cutscenes use different stages of that model in between. Some of them are the high res, some of them are the low res. Um, like it's just all over the place sometimes. Um, and like the overall, like just the sprite work in Soikin 2 is fucking gorgeous. Like the fluidity in which those sprites move and they have those animations, like the, the joint attack with the main character and his sister, that's the greatest thing on the planet, especially Mm -hmm. when she just starts sitting there eating tea and your guy's just beating (laughs) the shit out of the guy. Like you don't get anything that, that cool. And, and final fantasy 7 visuals i mean the summons are were are something to behold especially at the time like i was i, I mean i would stop in amazement when fucking i played a summon in seven i mean it's it's kind of come it's kind of passe now so i mean it's not as amazing but just looking at it i don't know i think i think i think so Two just looks better as a whole okay um i would say that you have you kind of have to judge them from two different standpoints because they one is a 2D medium and the other is pseudo 3D most mm-hmm. some of the times and then 3D in other well I guess it's still just pseudo 3D right 2.5D mm-hmm. because you don't really rotate a camera around your character you except do, if you, you're on the overworld yeah in the overworld you do um and I will say that the the sprites in Suikoden 2 definitely fantastic like all the artwork they've done um like everything feels good whether it's from just one little podunk town to the neck lord's castle like everything has its own feel like you feel mm-hmm. like it it's it fits there properly um final fantasy 7 what they've done is they've done a similar thing with the pre-rendered backgrounds um every area you visit has its own kind of character there it are does. some areas where this applies to Suikoden 2 as well, where you're, you're like, oh, I'm in just some generic caves. Okay, cool. I've seen this a couple times already. Um, the I will agree that the summons are fantastic in 7. Uh, if this was not a, a thing that people had seen before, then it's definitely something that's fantastic. I think I recall playing it the first time and, and just... There was just a whole new thing, like battle pauses while some gigantic creature comes down and rains destruction on your enemies. Uh, it's a cool feeling. Now, who would I give the edge to? It's hard to say, 
um, because I don't think either of these games could re- be represented as well as they are if they had adopted each other's medium. Okay. Like a sprite-based Final Fantasy VII would not work as well as it it is in its current iteration, and I doing 3D models for a Suikoden game at that time would not be good either. Yeah. Still, though... I just think that Suikoden 2 executes its medium better. Okay. I can agree with that. I mean, it does have the benefit of having, like, that medium being around longer. Like, there wasn't a lot of 3D and even pseudo-3D done at the point in which they were developing Final Fantasy VII. So, I mean, there's not that that ground of work to pull on, but, I mean, that is something that will... That's, that's a choice you make as a developer if you're going with the next stage, then... Yeah, I mean, ultimately your game's just not going to look as good because you don't have as much, as much, you know, gravitas or as much experience in that world. And, I mean, unfortunately it shows. And that's the biggest popular dissent against Final Fantasy VII to get somebody who's never played it before to play. It's like, oh, it looks so funky, you know? And I think that, I mean, as much as I can deal with it, and I think it looks gorgeous in its own way, from people to, you know, outside view of it, 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 I'm psyched too, just looks better. Okay, I will. I will definitely agree with you on that. Then now, music. I know the music in Soikoden Two is good. I, the, you're not going to convince me that it's not. It's it's better than. I'm not uh, the so score we'll, in FF Seven. Like, you will give that to Final Fantasy Seven. Like it's just not. It's FF Seven score is just so good. Um, it's hard to beat Uematsu. So. so I mean, it's really neck and neck. Uh, it it because overall experience, I. I just feel that I don't know. It's just something about see, hmm, it's hard, right? Because if you play FF Seven and you beat it, you can have the urge to play it again and do everything. You can do everything a lot differently. You really can set up characters differently and do things differently or do it better because the material system. You can iterate your knowledge on the material system and really min max the fuck out of that system. Mm-hmm. On subsequent playthroughs. Now, so you get in two. On the other hand, you beat it. What if you got the shitty ending because you didn't find all the characters? Well, now I got to play it again and find all the extra characters. But does that is that like a good feeling to get to the end and kind of be punished because you didn't find all the characters? I guess it's not a good feeling. You understand what I'm saying? Um, but like, you have to know that there's alternate endings in order to to know that you have to go back and do it. Right? Like if yeah. you like at that point in time, like, oh, okay, I got an ending, this kind of shitty ending, whatever. Um, and then like maybe talk to somebody else, like, hey, so we the game what like did you like the ending? And then you're like, Well, this and this happened and I didn't really like it, and then like, Oh, well, I something happened for me and I got a different ending and so before the times of guides, you could talk to each other and try to figure out what you did differently, and go back and try to replicate that. I, I don't know if that's a that's a. As much as I'm okay with it, like as having a game having multiple endings, I'm kind of not. At the same time, like I think I would still be upset. Like I beat the game, like I put in all this work and time into this game, and I beat it, and I'm excited that I beat it whether I feel satisfied with the ending or not, I communicate with a friend and they get a different ending, one that I like better than the one I got, right? 
then I'm fucking mad. I don't know if I want to play that game again because, I mean, I might be motivated to play it again, but at the same time, like, I'm like, fuck you. You didn't tell me that there was, like, a better ending or this, that, or even the third. I mean, I, I don't know if that's uh, a bonus. You understand what I'm saying? I, I, I guess it just comes down to a difference of purpose. If the game plays well enough and you enjoy the experience enough to want to play it again eventually anyway, uh, that that won't hold you back. It would, it would actually give you a goal to strive for to actually make uh, to get the ending that you want. But the like the the immediate gratification of be, like satisfaction of beating a game, like objectively, it's not. I don't think like objectively looking at it is like from not from a standpoint of taste. But as, like, what is good game-making, I don't necessarily know that it is. Because, essentially, you're taking away, an, like, a 40-hour victory from someone. You understand what I'm saying? Because, yeah, you still I, beat the game, but you didn't, like, you didn't get, like, the payoff is, is, is a lie. Like, the cake's a lie. I, it's just gonna have to come down to a difference of opinion because it's not. I I don't think it they're does. not taking away the time you invested in the game. They are, especially if they're How? not if they're not clear. All right, so you they they tell you you do X Y and Z you beat the game right. That is the consent of a developer to a player. All right, you do X Y and Z and you beat the game. Okay. But okay. me as the developer, I'm going to hide from you that there are three outcomes to the game, two of which are depressing as fuck payoffs, okay? Only one of which is the happy ending, right? Okay. And since there is, in fact, a happy ending, that by default, uh, uh, just pure, you know, what a player expects out of a game is the best ending, okay? So without me as a developer telling you that you can possibly, like, you play through the entire game, like, the 40, 50 hours that it takes you to beat the game, and, yeah, you completed the game, but not in the way that I'm going to reward you. Sorry, do that 40 hours again. It's not like it's a a 10-hour platformer in which, you know, you didn't get there to save the princess in time, but you still beat the bad guy in the castle. No, it is like a week's job worth of investment in time that does not give the payoff that I promised you. You're looking at it you're looking at it though as if you are you are an entitled you're entitled to a happy ending. If you the whole storyline in this game is nothing is happy. There's no happy ending. Uh-huh. And you can get to the end of the game and do everything perfectly right and visit the wrong location and still get the it's and even the endings are arguably um, can be interpreted differently. Like if you go into the the final the the castle again or whatever as Rio, you become the the I guess the mayor or the ruler or whatever of Jowston. But if you go back to where you met Jowie, which they hint at at the beginning of the game, where they mm-hmm. they both cross they make the X mark on the rock. Like if we ever get separated, meet up here again, and you're given full reign to access the map before you make this decision, you can piece together, if you recall correctly, to go back there and do it. So 
they kind of breadcrumb things throughout the game. Yeah, and... but the, like if it was as simple as that, I would be more okay with it. But you have to literally recruit everybody is the problem. Well, that's that gives you something to do the next time around. It's We're not talking about the next time around. You should never count subsequent playthroughs as the the initial experience of a game. Like, we've said that before. Like, if you have a reason to play again, it can be a bonus, but it's the original overall experience of the game, you should not count what you do in subsequent playthroughs. Like, you should look at it as your initial experience sitting down with the game. And if I have to recruit, even if I, I, I caught on all those breadcrumbs, like, I gotta go back to this spot, but it doesn't trigger because I didn't talk to some dude in the one battle he appeared then I'm fucked you, you see what I'm saying like if it's not as simple as me being clever it's as simple as me making sure I talk to everybody all the time I can, I can see where you're coming from but it's it's not a detraction for me, I guess. I don't know. Like, but I don't I'm not mind. saying I'm not saying that's fine for you, and it's really fine for me. But I'm telling you, you have to look at it from the the point of view of somebody that's that's not you. Like, ninety eight percent of people. That's, I wouldn't even say ninety eight, but like a lot of people are not okay with that. That's because it's difficult because everybody I've talked to who's playing the game hasn't minded having to play it again because they've played it in the age of the internet, in which they know. Not like, necessarily. Like when I was a kid, I knew a guy. My best, my best friend at the time, his brother had this, and they played it all the damn time, and they went through it and over and over again to play, and get all the characters and all that kind of crap. So I guess it, looking at somebody who's a, I would say, I guess a casual gamer, quote unquote, or whatever. Yeah, it's gonna suck, but I don't think that kind of person would be attracted to this game anyway. But they should be. I don't know. They should. They should be. Right. But most people don't do things that they should be doing anyway. Okay. Whatever. We will agree to disagree, I guess. <laughs> well, we have to. We have to pick. We have to pick a winner. Who's number one? Um, who's number two? I would pick Sweet Hidden Two for number two and Final Fantasy Seven for number one. Is that just so you don't have to argue with me anymore? No, because I realize that the footprint that the two have is is like a mouse compared to Bigfoot. Like Sweet 2, while it is a good game, they're both fantastic games. Mm-hmm. But Final Fantasy 7 is more of it, it has a legacy to it. Exactly. Like there okay. is it's a thing that's common knowledge. There's things in the game that's common knowledge that's considered just like part pop of culture. pop culture, yeah. Um and it's influenced the way that people have done things since. Whereas Sweden 2 was a sleeper hit, I guess. I don't know if that's a proper term, but like people that like found a it. A cult hit, I guess. A cult hit. Like people that know about it know that it, it's a great experience, but it doesn't have the appeal that Final Fantasy 7 carries. Okay. So. Like personally, I would put Sweden 2 above. Final Fantasy 7, but objectively, it is the other way around. So that is why I will put it there. Okay. Because I would actually say the opposite. I think objectively, I would put Sweet Hidden 2 
above seven, but subjectively I would put seven above two. So, well then, I think it just I think it just equals out. A dilemma. It's, it is a <laughs> fucking dilemma. So the season one ranking is as follows: number one, FF seven; number two, Soikin in two; number three, Wild Arms; number four, Soikin in one; number five, Legend of Mana; number six, Shining Force two; number seven, Paladin's Quest; eight, Fantasy Star. 9 Yees 2, 10 Yees 1, 11 Arcanum, 12 Digimon World, and 13 Monster Seed. Interesting. Okay, so now that we've ranked the games from Season 1, now we're going to talk about what we got coming in 2016. So, uh, first things first, by popular demand via... uh, iTunes reviewer and uh, Nick, we uh, are dubbing <laughs> the next the next season the Year of the Dragon because we are going to play Breath of Fire's one through five. Now we're not doing them back to back. We will have a game in between each of them, and we're not, I'm not going to reveal all the games we have planned for the year um, right now. We have mapped out the entire year. Um, we still want your suggestions and your inputs to add to the list, and then it will affect. It could affect the year after. Um, but uh, yeah, we're gonna be playing Breath of Fire, guys. All of them. One, two, three, four, Even and five. Fucking Dragon Quarter. Whoopee! I know Nick was like, we really should only do up to four. I'm like, well, we might as well do five. That way, we can say we completed the entire series and fucking seek and move on. Um, and I'm still like, no, we should just do up to four. Well, it's not worth it. It's it's gonna happen. There's a there's a mobile game too that we could play. We're not we're ignoring mobile games right now, okay? Like they don't exist in our world. Yeah, it doesn't exist in the actual Butterfly world either. So, wow. Um, and like we mentioned earlier, we did Mage Fest 2015. We want to get back in the habit of doing, um, sort of themed non-review shows, whether they be uh stuff like that interviews all that kind of stuff um we don't want to keep doing lists now that's not to say we won't do a couple of lists or general discussions but for the most part uh we are running in 2016 we'll have miss rpg 2016 in which we will uh pick one lovely rpg lady to be crowned uh the rpg show uh lady I don't know. Uh, for 2016, um, I will the have queen. Queen, sure. I don't know. Um, we will. Uh, I will come up with each of the rules stipulations in which we will go through that process, and we will go over that on the first round of that. I don't know when that that should be coming soon, but um, that's that's our big 2016. Uh, segment i guess like we did mage fest 2015 um and of course more guests um like we've been doing in the past where we bring on we brought on you know retro cal for review we brought my wife in we're gonna we plan to bring in more people so um we hope now we probably won't happen for every episode as much as i would like it to but nearly every review should have a third guest chair along with me and Nick to bring in that other opinion. I think it just makes the discussion better. Um, most times when we have a dissenting opinion in the group. Um, 
anything you'd like to comment on as far as what we're doing uh, for season two, Nick? Uh, no, I think we actually have a a pretty solid lineup coming up, mostly because we were able to pick games that we wanted to play as opposed to kind of the other person to, forcing us to like, play a game. Well, that and like terrorizing each other, like, hey, this game's <laughs> shitty. I'm gonna make these people play it. Kind of <laughs> that thing. was that was a thing that happened early on. Like, ha ha ha, fucking monster seed bitches. Um, yeah, thanks, asshole. Thanks a lot. Look, so the the downside of that though is I don't think we really have any shitty games coming up. Uh, we might. So, That's uh, who knows. I mean, we are playing Breath of Fire Five, and as much as you keep fucking shitting on that, fair enough. Fair enough. Um. Yeah, I don't see a lot of shitty games in there, but then again, there are quite a few that I haven't played and have even less interest in than a few of them we played at season one, so I may come out the other end as the fuck this, fuck that kind of guy. We'll never know. Um, but I've also uh, set up a some resolutions kind of for myself to kind of improve on the show for season two, and just to, this is kind of inside baseball kind of stuff you guys really don't um i mean it all ultimately affects the end quality of the show but you don't really see what's happening behind the scenes so much but i'll give you kind of a glimpse behind the curtain here um i'm hoping to have more time set out to locating more interviews um i've got a couple uh ideas moving forward that i don't want to share right now because i kind of want those to be surprises um if i do manage to work those out but i have because as a person like believe it or not as much as you know i talk and shit on the internet here um it's really hard for me to reach out and talk to people that i i don't i don't know like that's not a thing i'm great at so um i've really been motivating myself to track down people that are into rpgs that already have their own sort of following or they're doing something that's not podcasting that i would like to um talk to them about uh their their craft or their uh whatever their art if you will um another thing i plan on doing especially for uh the off-topic stuff or non-review stuff is i really want to improve um, on my, sh- like the show notes that I like the prep work that goes into it. Cause there've been a lot of, and I'm sure people can tell, um, there've been a few times where we sit down to do say a list show or something where, uh, I kind of just have the, like a skeleton outline in front of me of what we need to talk about. I really want to flesh that out, really spend some time to type out all the, my thoughts beforehand. That way I, they're less, um, uh, as, as, um, I, I really want to cut out that, kind of talk and um, improve on just speaking quality as whole um do you have any resolutions for yourself for season two nick because you just kind of um, show up and get to get to talk i don't know what you got going on well you know i guess i should probably resolve to speak more uh instead of being a passive voice because mm-hmm. apparently uh some people may have taken issue with that but uh we'll talk about that in a minute you know. Um, that, and I guess I will, I will attempt to devote more time to developing my, I guess, ex- opinion and okay. experience of things. Cause I'm compared to you, I'm more lack, lackluster, I suppose. Um, and definitely, definitely like you were saying, make more of a, not so much of a script, but 
I would say have, just have more of the information that you already know at the ready because we believe it or not, we do know what it is going into it. But then you sit down in front of the microphone on Skype and it'll just all go away. Just all vanishes. And like, then you've got to spend time to pull it back up or look on another screen or try and look it back up again. We, we should really have that information in front of us. And, um, I think, yeah, it's help. like public speaking without people. Yeah. 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 So um, that ends our big goal for this show, for this season two, is, yeah, we still want the ratings and reviews on iTunes and all that stuff because it helps us be noticed, blah, blah, blah. Our big thing is we know you're out there. We want more listener engagement for season two. We're going to shove it figuratively (laughs) out there every time uh, that, you know, like we're going to, Pitch the forums, Twitter. I'll have to I'll probably make a Facebook fan page as soon as that up. Like, I want every way for people to talk to us to talk to us because everybody that has talked to us, I think, has gotten positive feedback from us. Like, we're really as much as assholes as we can seem sometimes. We're actually really friendly dudes. We love talking about this stuff and we want to hear what you guys' opinions on this stuff are more than just our opinions. We're putting our opinions, you know, out there for, on the show, but it would be great if we had people like sending in, you know, emails for reviews to let us know what they thought of the game or their experiences with the game. And we could bring those up on the show. Um, we just kind of want it. Cause I mean, when it all boils down to our close circle of us and friends and people we may, or people we already know to have on the show, um, the opinions end up being a lot of the same and so it would be really because i know there are fans of the genre out there that have vastly dear differing opinions and we want to hear some of that so if you're out there and you're like man they really gave x game way more love than it should or um i don't know if i agree on that point send us the email we're going to talk about it we want to you know come with a counterpoint and go back and forth the forums are great for that like i think there was a big long thread on fucking final fantasy tactics versions and I just, I mean, right now it's basically me, Nick Anderson, and Retro Kel just kind of talking back and forth. I mean, it, it doesn't get, uh, we don't get replies fast because there's not a whole lot of activity going on there. But as soon as generally something's posted, you know, it hits me or Nick's one of our, our feeds and we go in there and we pro- reply. You send us an email, podcast at the RBGshow.com. I email, I, I tend to respond to emails really fast. Um, I'm generally on top of that. So feel free to send us emails if it's something, you know, directly that you want to say to Nick and his opinion, I can forward that on to him. Um, so, I mean, that's really because, I mean, I think we're, we're so far, we're, we're in a really good place after season one. And I really want to see that continue to grow. And I think that just works better if, you know, we can really, you know, interact with each of you guys. We know you're out there. And we want to hear from you. So, next. Except Anderson, we don't want to hear from you, dude. Yeah. Stop talking. Yeah, fuck off, Anderson. I'm just kidding. I love you very much, man. You're my boo. Hey, boo. All right. Um, we have a new iTunes review, or at least one, um, that I accidentally closed that window when we did the quick break. I'm going to pull that up. And we have an email. So, I'll read the email first. Um, abridged. Um, it said, I found your show thanks to RetroKill. Thanks, Blaine. We love you. Um, and enjoyed it a whole lot. The FF7 show was long, which you know gave me a snicker. Uh, if you take requests, I'd love to see someone do a show on Legend of Dragoon and Lufia 2. 
Anyways, the show is wonderful and truly my favorite RPG podcast. Well, thank you very much for that email. Um, like we just said, we do take reviews. We want to get them in. Hopefully, um, we can hit one or if not both of those games in season three. So um, keep an ear out for that. We appreciate you sending an email. Um, uh, me and this gentleman, we had an exchange back and forth of talking about our favorite RPGs and such. I mean, it went on for a little while there. So um, we appreciate that email. Uh, let's see here. Got to pull up the review. This is great. This is just what I told myself I wasn't going to do anymore. You're all going to love this. This is great. This is, oh no, this is, the, whoever this person is, they are now my favorite person on the planet. All right, uh, this is from uh, Junkocalypse, 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 I guess, I don't know what that is. Um, five stars, these guys are awesome. They make it feel like I'm sitting around with friends talking about games we love. They have great on-air chemistry. One talks too much and the other is obviously a bottom. Trust me, it works. Five out of five, we'd listen again. Now, how do you know I'm a bottom? That's not very nice. Obviously, he's talking about Nick, poor fellow. Yes, yes, I've got that. I've got that vibe where it says, <laughs> "Just dominate me, give me a donkey punch, call it a day." Thank you very much for that five star review. Um, like we say, every show, each one counts, and we love you for it. Um, we jump so far up the um, list when you search for RPG every time we get a review. Like we, it, it, it just marketably moves us on that list so far when people leave us a review so i mean um please do that i i leave a link in most show notes i know you can't get to it in the past like the the like apple's podcast app but if you're using most anything else the hyperlink on that will take you right to the leave a rating review website or web page for it for itunes whatever words wow all right so uh, I guess that's uh, that's it for today. I think that's it. Unless you you have anything else you want to add, Nick? Um, no. That uh, I guess just it's, it's been a great experience, and uh, enjoy even the uh, the silly ass reviews we get sometimes. It's it doesn't matter if it's degrading towards me or towards Brent. It makes us laugh. So speaking uh, uh, yeah. that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's I, I I look forward to everything we get coming next year. It all looks great. Like I was I was so pumped when I was done with that list that I just I just wanted to like do it all already. And I was like, wait, 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 we have to finish Diablo and uh, stuff like that. Oh, another thing, we did decide once a year we will do a uh, a new game, right? So we're thinking April's gonna be that month every year and this year we are doing uh the new fire emblem fates game so um we should have coverage for both birthright and conquest on that show we're hoping and possibly revelation if we get to it possibly revelation but that's a bonus dlc isn't it it's technically it's the so you've got conquest is the hoshido path birthright is the nor path and then you've revelation is the yeah, fuck both of you guys, Path. Okay. And they all have, I think it's like 27 chapters in them. So. Wow. Well, we'll work on that. Thank God Diablo is not a long game. <laughs> um, but Diablo should be the next, Diablo review should be the next episode. Our guest reviewer for that episode should will be uh, Marcus, 
some of you may have know him from the tabletop um, version of the show. So he'll be in talking Diablo with us. So let's go ahead and pull up this outro. Yeah. All right. So you can contact us in multiple, multiple ways, and we'd love for you to do that. You can visit our forums at therpgshow.com. Just click on that forum link. You can send us an email, podcast at therpgshow.com. You can follow us on Twitter at therpgpodcast. I think that's all the ways to talk to us. Yeah. Uh, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Each one counts, and we love you for it. Uh, make sure to check out our friend Retro Kill over at the Is It Worth It part of the Retro RPG Podcast feed. Oh, wow. That's a thing. I did a thing over there. All right. Stop doing those things. (laughs) All right. Well, until next time, say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Yeehaw! Wait a second. What? Don't change that station. Oh, shit. Why aren't they changing the station, Nick? Well, because uh, they need to... Make either they, they either need to give us a rating or review, or they need to go to the forums and start talking to us because it's lonely there. And you know, there's only so many times that I can cuddle up next to Brent and Anderson and Blaine and get some warmth. I need some new, I need some new warmth here, and I also need somebody else uh, to power top me because this bottom business is getting old. These guys can't, these guys can't keep it up. Wow.